Hello and welcome to Brits on Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, dissect and deliberate over a movie of our choosing. Now, let's just get this out of the way. This is Brian's movie. This is one movie that Brian was dying to check out. So it's all in him. It is Jack the Giant Slayer. Killer, depending what region you're from. The Brian Singer movie. Brian, why were you so desperate to see this? Well, you know, despite whatever... Okay, look, let's 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 just preface this right up front. We're recording this well in advance. Uh, I won't say how in advance, um, but we don't quite know what's going on with Brian Singer at the moment. Although at this stage of recording, there's definitely a situation. Um, that being said, mm. uh, putting whatever personal things going on aside purely as a filmmaker looking at his his back catalog the films that i've seen of his i've i've liked every one of them even the ones that have issues i've i've liked them um so this was really there's this one and his first one which was uh public, public access, access. Yeah, uh, which I've yet to see. So I've not seen Public Access. I still need to cross that off the list. But yeah, I, I wanted to see th- these two because I've liked everything else he's done. Uh, mm. So yeah, rega- you know, can't, don't know if I like the guy. Never met him. Don't know if whatever's been he's been accused of is true or not. You can never tell in this day and age of wild accusations on on Twitter. So who knows? All I'm judging on is his 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 talent or the lack thereof uh as a filmmaker i'll leave mm. leave that up to you to, to decide where you sit on the fence with that one um so yeah i wanted to watch it i wanted to cross it off the list so i put it in the pile and it just so happened that you picked it out of the the clues that that i gave so yeah that's really why it ended up in there that's why i wanted to watch it right um i had already seen this one I seen it in the cinema when it came out, and it was one of those movies that um, I watched. It didn't really leave any kind of lasting impression, and it wasn't something that I was averse seeing again. Um, so, you know, happy to check it out. It wasn't a, a major issue. It was just a surprise. It's, I think it's the kind of first, I'd say, partially kiddie-centric movie that we've... Because I think this was aimed at kids... Certainly, well, certainly a family audience hmm. to, to a degree. Although we'll get into bits. that, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll well, let's let's just say that. Let's leave it. I'll I'll do the let's do the uh, the synopsis and then, and then we'll get great. into it. But I definitely have some things to say about the uh, kiddie friendly nature. Uh, okay, so. An ancient war is reignited when a young farmhand unwittingly opens a gateway between our world and a fearsome race of giants. Unleashed on the earth for the first time in centuries, the giants strive to reclaim the land they once lost, forcing the young man, Jack, into the battle of his life to stop them. Fighting for a kingdom, its people and the love of a brave princess, he comes face to face with the unstoppable warriors he thought only existed in legend. As a result, he will gain a legendary status of his own, known far and wide as Jack the Giant Slayer. 
well done. So, where would you like to start with Jack the Giant Slayer? Well, while it's still fresh in my mind, uh, the, the, the point I was just going to make, in fact, before I got into the synopsis, uh, mm-hmm. which is that if you tweak a few scenes in this, just like literally just a little bit, you've, you've pretty much got a fully fledged horror on your hands. There is okay. there is some stuff in this that, you know, yes, it's it's really toned down so that you can have that family audience, but there's a lot of biting of people's heads off and, <laughs> you know, stamping on people, uh, you know, giant stamping on people and things like that. It's, it's it, it does kind of, I would say it sits more into the Jurassic Park vein of mm-hmm. family film in in the sense that you know if if you were inducting your kids into into horror uh then this jurassic park films like critters gremlins they're the kind of movies that w- would probably be the the starting point but, uh, but yeah I, I i definitely think this isn't too far away from becoming horror it's just that they cut away at certain moments um mm. But, but, but yeah, I, I think if I showed my my five year old this, she she would be freaked out. Put it that way. So hmm. uh, it may be a family film, but not necessarily the whole family. Um, I, I don't know if my daughter would be freaked out about it, but then she's seen certain things that she probably shouldn't have. Um, we won't get As to the fact just... that we just recently watched Child's Play. Anyway, yes. Uh, so. One of the first things that really strikes me about this, and I remember seeing it in the cinema and thinking exactly the same thing, is some of the tone of the performances. They are larger than life. They're, they're, they're pantomime performances. Yeah. They feel like very um, theatrical in nature, like Ewan McGregor, whose accent and demeanour. You have Stanley Tucci, who's that big villain, uh, sorry, megalomaniacal, almost twisting the moustache type of villain. That they're, they don't hide it. It is very playful, very fun, and like I said, very pantomime. What did you think of these performances? I really enjoyed it. I, mm. I, I honestly did. Um, you and McGregor to a certain extent, but uh, like as in the, in the same sense that he does he does this very thing. But Stanley Tucci in particular, he he seems to veer in his performances from being absolutely dead serious. Mm kind of wise middle-aged man kind of persona or totally wacky pantomime guy there, there never seems to be an in-between with this dude he's always mm. yeah totally serious or utter pantomime you know lovely bones or jack the giant slayer um the, the thing is i i love him when he's either so i mm. i really do like stanley tucci but i gotta say the, the person that i enjoyed watching most in this entire film was Ewan McGregor. Hmm. Um, he does, there's a few times he's done this in, in various performances uh, where he just, he has this inane grin across yeah. his face like he's genuinely having fun being here and it's it's kind of infectious and whenever he's on the screen doing something, I, I have fun with it. It, it. I I feel like, I, yeah, I'm along for the ride whenever he's, He's on there. Um, so yeah, he's, I like... he's one of these. He's one of these actors that I think doesn't really get the kudos that he, he should. 
Because mm. quite often though, you kind of forget about him, and mm. then he'll appear in something like uh, Jack the Giant Slayer, or he's got that tremendous sequence in The Impossible where he has to break down and, and phone his relatives. One of his best. That was actually um, when I when I saw The Impossible. I wasn't that big on The Impossible. No. It's still, it's a very well made film, I think. Mm. Um, but that scene was mm. that 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 was a scene when I literally kind of sat up and I went, "Wow, you McGregor's." That that's probably the best he's ever been in yeah. that scene. To be honest, yeah, he, he he had me in that scene. But yeah, um, like this is more. It's 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 something a bit more akin to what he did in Big Fish, mm. although um, Big Fish was maybe a little kind of tamer than this with regards to his performance. Here he is, yeah, really like you say, pantomime. Um, which let's let's face it this story kind of has its roots yeah. in pantomime you know obviously it was written as a book first mm-hmm. or a story first but uh it's had more than its fair share of of runnings in the old pantomime kind of setting hasn't it uh, mm-hmm. so so i think it does it does lend itself to it you know everybody knows this story from a pantomime perspective i think and i, I so i i I don't think it's misplaced to put that kind of thing in here. I think it works mm. well. Yeah. Did you know going into it that it was such a big budget production? Because this is a massive budget this thing had. It, it is a massive budget. It's a huge budget. Um, I, I remembered back when it came out all the talk about the budget, to be honest, uh, which I do think for the most part, is very well used mm-hmm. um I th- like it looks better than i was imagining it was going to if i'm being perfectly honest uh there's a lot of obviously because we're in that you know fantastical kind of realm beanstalks going up into the clouds to to strange cloud cities and things it it, it can it runs the risk of becoming one of those films that does look far too cartoony and there mm. are a couple of times when it does veer that way but for the most part i think the special effects are on point um i i would say the animated sequence at the beginning i'm not yeah. too big on it kind mm. of looks like unfinished animation um I get the style that they're going for, but it, it doesn't quite work in the same way that, say, if you think about Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, when there's that animated sequence at the beginning of that, when you mm. know when, when Hellboy's adoptive father is telling him about The Golden Army. Uh, it, it feels like it, it should be like that kind of animation, but, yeah, unfinished. It has an unfinished quality about it, so... Yeah, um... But I think CG, CGI is one thing, but I think what really works is, is the personalities behind the giants as well. You don't mm. get all of them, but you get a few main ones and yeah. you get the idea of them, particularly the, the leader. who um, Bill Nye. Yeah, mm. tremendous performance and a really good um, dual performance, is it? Because he's yeah. got the, the head. Yeah, yeah. On. Yeah. What did you think of the look of the, the giants? Um, in, in the context of the film... I loved it. I thought it was really great. Um, like I'd, I'd seen stills before mm. um, and and tra- a trailer, and I was it was one of them where I was a bit iffy on it. Where I'm like, is this going to be one of them where you go to it and it's just weightless CGI, like a, a CGI fest? And I mm. think that's one of the things that kind of kept me from watching it for so many years. Uh, but no, I, I I think it's really solid design work. I think the voice work is 
is on point for all of them. Uh, really great characteristics and stuff. Like there's the one guy as well, the one giant who's uh, he's basically he's preparing um, Ewan McGregor's character. He's, so he's mm. wrapping him up in this dough and he's pricking him and stuff. Just narrowly misses his uh, his nads. Um, that scene, that whole sequence, actually, I really loved. Had a, had a lot of fun with that. Um, but that giant in that sequence has a lot of personality that does shine through uh, in much the same way that the BFG did in the Spielberg film. Um, mm. So, yeah, no, I, I really liked him, really liked him a lot. Yeah. Okay. What other kind of things? Um, is there anything that put you off about the movie? There's a, there's a few things, a few things that kind of annoyed me a little bit, uh, which are, one, when, when the... So when they when they come down, mm. when Jack and I can't remember Isabel is it the mm-hmm. princess, uh, when Jack and Isabel come down and then the, the they're chopping the um, the stalk down the beanstalk and then it collapses while they're still up it. So you see it falling and then <sighs> Jack does this kind of he he does this swing like almost like a Tarzan swing to it's. And I know we're dealing with a completely fantastical concept here. You know, we've got giants and that. But any film like this, you know, you you create an internal logic. And as long as you hold to that internal logic, it works. So everything that happens up in Giant City works. But once we get to this sequence, this is when we start defying the laws of physics in a way that I'm not comfortable with, you know. For one, the speed at which they would have hit that um, haystack haystack would have it would have at the very least broke something, but I, I'm guessing more likely have killed them. Um, so but yeah, to that go, to go from that, I'll, I'll jump into something that I did like before we go to another thing that maybe wasn't mm-hmm. great is um, mm-hmm. just after the opening of the movie when you have uh, Isabel and Jack as kids and the city juxtapose this scene with each other and you have the parallels of these people is is a really interesting way of connecting these two people before yep. they even meet. You know as a viewer that they are meant for each other. They've had a similar upbringing, even though they're different statures, uh, but they, they, they have a very similar upbringing and it's just, you, you want them to get together before they even meet. Just a great way of editing, yeah. shooting it and putting it together. I, I can't add anything. I, I was I was a bit gutted that you brought that up because I was going to get that's I was one of my big points um, that I was going to get to that I really loved uh, because <laughs> I was I was I was watching it and for all the way up until when they get up to the the top of the beanstalk I was really engrossed mm. in these characters and and I wanted to see them get together and. Um, it, it was because of that editing. It was it was a very unique way of saying, look, these two people are worlds apart. You know, she's she's in the ivory tower, he's in the slums outside the city, and yet they're going through exactly the same thing. It, you know, just it, it's like they, they can relate to each other despite their complete other worlds that they live in they can relate to each other and we see that before they do mm. so so yeah like you say as soon when they get together we already know they're perfect for each other 
Um, and and it is a, it's, it's a great way of doing it. Like there's so many times in movies like romantic films or even you know comic book movies, action movies, whatever, where the the the, you know, the, the hero has a love interest and they get together and you see it coming a mile off, you know that's what's going to happen. You know as soon as there's a male and a female, boom, of course they're going to get together. Um, and it kind of makes you roll your eyes because mm. it's like, great, you've got to shoehorn this in. But because they start the film with this style, with you know, with, with this juxtaposition, like you say, it does. It wants you. It, it makes you want them to get together even before they see it. So it, it kind of invests you in their characters and in their relationship mm. uh, long before they ever get together. So yeah, it, it is a great way of doing that I think uh, really cleverly written uh, I will say that one of the writers on the script for this is Christopher McQuarrie who mm. you know is, is a really great writer he's done a lot of work with Brian Singer most notably the usual suspects um, but yeah last two Mission Impossible films uh, way of the gun he's, he's a very good writer so yeah, yeah. I won't I won't be surprised if that was a bit of his injection there but so what about something else that you weren't too enamoured with? Uh, another thing was just silly silly stuff, really. And um, for the most part, I really liked this film a lot more than I was anticipating. <laughs> um, I, w- I was expecting it to be like a two-star film, uh, but may- may- hopefully, I was, I was hoping for maybe a three-star film at best. Um, so no, I-, I was pleasantly surprised, it must be said. Um, but... Like I say, there are a, li- a few little things that just kind of, nah, really, that's a bit stupid. And one of them is, so when the, when the giants are coming down, so they've sent their beanstalks down, mm. and they're, they're all coming down, uh, and then we, we cut to Jack, who's running, at, well, he's, he's riding after the king and Isabel and, and the army, uh, and he's shouting at them, he's saying like, you know, run run the giants are coming um and okay i you know they're they're not they're facing the opposite direction i get that so that's fine they don't see the beanstalks but the moment isabel turns around to look you know she hears jack shouting and they turn around and they're like jack jack what and it's just you cannot tell me that they cannot see those big ass beanstalks coming down from the clouds those things were huge you know when 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 there was just that one going up they saw it from the castle and they all went there to check it out and yet when there's like four or five of them coming down they're all just like you know we don't even see it like when she turns around to look for jack we don't even see it in the distance like mm. in the skyline and you would see that thing for miles around because it literally goes up into the clouds uh so it's it's a little detail that probably shouldn't bug me as much as it does but it's it's those kind of things that are like i guess you you'd call it continuity i guess i don't know but uh it, it did it bugged me like as soon as one of those soldiers or as soon as any one of them turned around and looked over the shoulder they should see those big ass beanstalk stalks and think oh crap run for it uh but yeah but instead they're all like where's jack 
We can hear him shouting, what's happening? Where is he? It's like, yeah, no, sorry. No. See, to be honest, I think the movie as a whole is genuinely a fun experience. It's different mm. enough, but still has the same similarities with the original tale of Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. I, I can't fathom why this wasn't a bigger hit than it, it was. Um, the, the CGI is good. The, the characters are pretty decent. It's got a nice layer of humour all the way through. It's brought with the characters like um, the buffoonish nature of some of the giants or the, the sheer adventurer type Errol Flynn character that Ewan McGregor is kind of playing it's just why do you think this wasn't a bigger movie uh i i guess i think the story to be honest i think because it does have such close ties with the, with the you know the pantomime hmm. nobody wants to go to the cinema to see a pantomime you know hmm. like like if it's a hard sell, I think. You know, like, I I wasn't interested, to be mm. honest. The only thing that did interest me about this film is perhaps the cast, but mostly the fact that Brian Singer had directed it, and I liked the rest of his body of work. So, yeah, and even then, you know, it's taken me till now to get around to it. it but but that that idea of going to see a cinematic retelling of a story that is primarily known for pantomimes hmm. if, if we're being honest yeah that that doesn't sell that doesn't really yeah doesn't sell me on it it's a little bit like Hansel and Gretel hmm. um, I mean that that's more fairy tale but again it's just there's something about that the the idea of going to see a cinematic version of that it, you'd have I don't know you'd have to impress me big time with the trailer to to get me to want to go and see that um mm. so so yeah I, I think it's just that really uh not much else yeah have you anything else to add to jack and the giant slayer so. uh yeah I, I will say yeah the, the again and this touches on what i said at the start with regards to the horror elements the way in which bill nye's giant is killed is pretty <laughs> grim and you do see yeah. an eye popping out and a foot um so like yeah uh jack throws one of the beans down his throat and it grows out of him so you, you literally see this bean start sp you know spurt out of his body and then it closes around him as it grows up and as it closes around him his eye pops out um and then we see it, him explode out of it and as uh, jack and isabel kind of hit the deck along with them hitting the deck you see the giant's foot and a bit of arm and like i say it's 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 this close you know you throw a load of blood in there to go with it and you've you've, you've pretty much got a full-on horror it's only the humor elements that kind of stop it going into that area i think so yeah, yeah. no it's, it's it's a grisly death it's and it's it's a good good climax i think yeah okay um i'll, I'll jump into wrap-ups um if you've nothing else to add? Uh, I don't think I've got anything else to add. There was, there was no one in it that stood out to me as being a poor show. Mm. Uh, Ian McShane, 
I like him as an actor. It's a very good cast, actually. I liked him in this, but there are times when I'm kind of like... Well, primarily when he sends the men up to go and fetch his daughter, when I, when I was kind of sat there thinking, get your ass up there yourself, mate. You know, it's, <laughs> if that was my daughter, I, I'd want to go myself and make sure that it got done properly. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, other than that, yeah, good cast, good set of characters, had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, you, you go. Yeah. Um, like we said, there's nothing uh, really offensive or, or wrong or bad about the movie um, itself. It's fun and it's entertaining. Um, it's actually quite quite a long kind of family movie as well. I think it's just under two hours. But the time whips by because of the, the fun nature of the movie, the way it's put together especially, which is something that you can kind of miss easily the first time round. Not just the editing of that first scene, but all through the movie. It's done in such a manner that there's very little downtime. It's, the adventure starts and it continues from there till the end. Um, it's one of those movies that I, I saw in the cinema and kind of forgot about, um, which is a shame because going back to it, I found a movie that was rather enjoyable mm-hmm. um, and probably one at some point that I would show the kids. Um, yeah. For me, thinking of a score, maybe in the light side, I don't know, but three and a half out of five, I think, is pretty decent. Yeah, I'm... Um- Right there with you. Three and a half out of five from me. Like I say, I, w- I wasn't expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. Maybe on a second watch, it might even go up to a four. I don't know. But uh, th- there are, like I say, just those few things that were like niggles. I was like, it's a bit silly. Um, but no, it, it's fun from start to finish. I enjoyed it. Really like the characters. Really like the performances. Uh, and there's some great editing in it. So, yeah. Three and a half out of five. Big surprise. Okay, so we're going to move on to the top five of this episode, which was top five Brian Singer movies. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, I, I'm, I'm probably with you. I don't think he's got a bad movie um, in his filmography. Yeah. It's just a case of how many X-Men movies do you have in your list? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think the, the one film in his fil- filmography that v- veers close to being bad is that last X-Men that he did, Apocalypse. I, mm. I think it's definitely his weakest X-Men film. Yeah. Uh, it's It's got issues, big issues. Um, but beyond that, yeah, everything I've seen that he's done, uh, although I am reliably informed that perhaps he didn't completely direct Bohemian Rhapsody, but... His name's on the credit, so... His, na- his name is on the credit, so, you know... It's considered a Brian Singer film, but hey ho, there we go. So okay. yeah, top five Brian Singer movies. Who wants to go first? I'm fine. You make the decision, sir. You go first. Go on. I want to see where you go. Okay, my number five is Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll throw it in here. Um, now this is a hard one to go. Is it on there because Brian Singer elevates it? Is it on there because I'm a fan of Queen's music? Um, a lot of people had a lot of problems with this movie, but this is not a sole Freddie Mercury movie. This is a Queen movie um, about the band, and it gave me everything I wanted. You know, I had the band getting together, gave me some information that I did not know, gave me the fantastic and toe-tapping tunes that I loved, and I left the cinema on a real high after seeing this. Um, sure, it wasn't it wasn't a hard-hitting uh, all, all the, the the dirt and grime of the story, but I didn't want that. You know, I wanted to go there and enjoy myself, and that's what that movie did. 
immensely well. Yep, totally agree with you. Uh, I, I thought it was a very good film. Uh, you know, when, when you look at it just as a piece of narrative film, I liked it. I liked the story. I liked the characters. I loved the music, obviously. Uh, I enjoyed the ride. It's not in my top five, uh, but uh, I certainly wouldn't give it any less than a four-star rating. Mm. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. Uh, and that's as a Queen fan as well. So, um, But no, my number five, and this may shock some people, but it is Superman Returns. Uh, I know this film doesn't... I, I think probably out of everything on his filmography this is the one that seems to have been lambasted the most mm. i love it i love superman returns uh when i went I, I saw it at the cinema three times actually because the first time when i went to see it at the cinema w when it starts those opening credits come on and i was just transported right back to my childhood you know he he was really faithful to the richard donner movies and I know, I know a lot of people were down on him for that. They, they felt that that was a weakness. Perhaps he should have gone his own way. For me, the inner child just came out. I love those Richard, Richard Donner movies. And I love that for all intents and purposes, we got another one. We, we got the third film in that Richard Donner set of movies mm -hmm. yeah if you forget superman three and four the quest for peace uh so yeah no i loved it uh, i thought brandon routh was a brilliant choice for superman he really nails that christopher reeve vibe mm -hmm. if the film has a weakness i would say it's kate bosworth as yeah. lois lane she's not the most charismatic in this role i'm not saying she isn't a good actress you know she has done some fine work elsewhere but for whatever reason she just wasn't bringing it here kevin spacey was excellent as lex luther yet another another person within hollywood who is yeah dealing with his own set of allegations um but no i loved it i could there have been a bit more action yes i think there definitely could have been but the, the few action set pieces we got were quite incredible i'm just gutted that we never really got to see brian singer do a follow-up to this because mm. apparently he was going to go all wrath of khan on its ass and and up the action stakes in it mm. so but hey ho whatever yeah it's not one i've seen again since the cinema um but i, I really didn't enjoy it um I, I can't really remember much of the hubbub about it when it came out but uh, people lambasting it for being similar to the donor Th this was a sequel to that a direct yeah. sequel so <laughs> yeah it, you know he stuck yeah. to the playbook yeah. And I remember liking it. It's just a, a shame that Brandon Routh never really got a, a fair shake uh, mm. um, in acting like roles after this. Um, yeah. I've seen him in a couple of things. And I've always thought he's been pretty decent. Yeah. Um, so, so like Scott, he was very good in Scott Pilgrim. I thought. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, I seen him in one called uh, Oh, who's it called again? Was it Dog Days? It's based on a, a comic book, I think it was, or something uh, like that. Right. And he was really good. I, yeah, I know. I know he's he's in the TV series Legends of Tomorrow, so yeah. he's, he's landed on his feet. But I do feel like the cinema roles should have been beckoning after this. Yes, uh, my number four is Valkyrie. Um, one of the hardest things to do, I think, in a movie, especially with something that's a true story, 
is have a sense of mystery or um, tenseness, suspense throughout it when you know what's going to happen. But even though I knew what was going to happen in this movie, I, I honestly thought they were going to succeed. You know, the, the movie pulls the rug out from under you. It, it leads you down a path where your mind knows one thing, but yet somehow it changes and starts to believe that these guys are going to do it because right is on their side. You know, yeah. everything is weighing with them. They, they need to do this to stop this tyrannical figure. They are taking a risk and they know their lives are on the line. And it works. And it's fantastic. It's super tense. It's really uh, well played. All the actors are great. Cruz, as always, is just, you know, if he's engaged enough, he does a fantastic role. And this is, he's not hanging off the side of helicopters. He's not dangling from like buildings. He's just acting his pants off um, and doing it well wearing an eye patch and looking cool. Valkyrie for me is just one of those it's one of those movies that whenever I stumble across it, I need to watch it. You know, if I'm flicking through T V and it's there, I'm watching that to the end. That is gonna captivate me. And I'll still be expecting them to, to win the day, even in rewatches. Yeah. Terrific movie. Yeah. Valkyrie is my number four as well. I I, I for me, it's his most underrated film. I do think it is one of those very underrated movies. Uh, it got a lot of bad reviews when it came out uh, that I read, and I just didn't get it. Because like you, I was sat there the whole time, and I was tense. You know, that sequence where they go into camp, they mm. go into that uh, the, the briefing room where Hitler is, and he's, car- he's taking that suitcase in, you know, he's got the bomb, he's just trying to plant it there. I was really, really tense the whole time because I didn't know what was going to happen. And like you say, in the back of your mind, you know these guys didn't assassinate Hitler because you know how Hitler died. It was by his own hand. So it's clearly he's not going to succeed. But this, there's still tension there because it's like, well, we know he's not going to succeed, but how is he going to fail? Just exactly how is he going to fail? To what degree? Um, yeah, like it reminds me a little bit of the Paul Greengrass film United 93. You know, mm. you think about that final scene when they're trying to get through the door. You know they're not going to get through. We know this story. It, you know, the, the film was only like, what, eight years or so yeah, after, the, after the events. So you know they're not getting through. And yet you're... you're you're egging them on you're like do it come on come on and they don't and it's just and it's it's just an ultimate tragedy uh, and that's kind of the way i feel about this film as well uh, so i think that's a real skill to mm. to tell a true story in which you already know the outcome and yet create tension is 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 quite a feat um, and mm. i do believe as well that this is another christopher Macquarie screenplay uh, mm. yeah so yeah Great film, really loved it. Okay, uh, my number three is X-Men, Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Uh, his best X-Men movie, in my opinion. Um, th- this was a hard one to do it, for me. It was it was the fifth one in the series. It was coming after a, a big hit where they rebooted everything, you know, with First Class. And uh, it was risky. You know, he, he left the franchise after part two. Uh, part three nobody talks about 
part four was a big success and he's coming back and he's trying to balance a cast that has the old school X-Men along with the new generation and everything is just, there's too much. It feels going into the movie that there's just going to be too much. And then it starts off with this dystopian future. It's got the Sentinels in it. It, it. it ties it, the story, wisely to one character, the character that we know best from the X-Men, Hugh Jackman's Logan. And it puts the story around about this character, flips him back in time. It becomes a time travel movie. It's got everything. It's got everything. And it must be so hard to keep all these plates spinning and to make them work. And somehow Singer does it and creates what is, in my eyes, the best X-Men movie that there has been so far. I just think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So my number three is The Usual Suspects, which I'm sure will be a shock for, for a lot of people as well, because I think when you say Brian Singer, most people will say Usual Suspects is his best film. And I'm pretty much guessing that's what's going to be your number one, but we'll see when we get there. Makes it crazy. It's a very good film. It's very well written. Um, I think Christopher McQuarrie again, obviously. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, the dude is, is a fantastic writer. Just that twist, you know, brilliant twist, great performance by Kevin Spacey, a really great performance by Benicio Del Toro, who does so much with absolutely nothing. His, his role is his literally nothing. It's only because of what he does with his little ticks and his movements and his quirks that he makes a memorable character. Um, but, yeah, it's just this mystery wrapped in an enigma uh, that turns out to be Kaiser Soze. Uh, so it, it's great. It keeps you guessing the whole time. Um, Gabriel Byrne is really good in it as well. Yeah, just a really good, solid mystery. Uh, but not my favourite Brian Singer film. Still very solid film, though. I, I wouldn't quite rate it as highly as most people, but I clearly, you know, mm. given, that, given that I gave Superman Returns a four, out of five and, and Bohemian Rhapsody which didn't even make my list I gave a four out of five I do think it's an incredible film um, my number two is Apt Pupil um, <laughs> it's another one that seems to get forgotten about um, I, I love this movie I watched it last year again and it still really holds up based on a, a Stephen King short story um, so Ian McKellen it's just oh man what a performance from a frail old man to a vicious animal um, over the course of the movie. Brad Renfro, who did a terrific performance as a curious teenager who becomes almost indoctrinated to be this horrible history um, and his ability to get the information from somebody that was actually there. It's one of those movies that I find absolutely captivating. Great performances, uh, great story, great small story as well. You know, there's not, it's not outside a neighbourhood it's a couple of people um, and it's just I think it's just wonderful wonderfully effective uh, really atmospheric and uh, I think it's all down to primarily the two performances from the lead actors who are both exceptional mm. yeah I liked that say that again I liked Apt People I didn't love it uh, I, I, I still think it's probably a better film than Apocalypse but mm. I, I yeah there's a, there's, a, there's a level of nastiness that runs through it um, like a core of the movie 
um, from it's McKellen's character to the nasty streak that's starting to come out from Renfrew's character as well. There is, but I, I'm not sure I bought the turn as 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 well as I should have done. Um, mm. I, I felt like the change in Renfro's character could have been a little bit more organic. I guess I don't mm. know, um, but hey ho, that's 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 just me. Maybe it maybe it needs another watch. It was back in the early noughties when I watched it, and I've not seen it since. So mm. um, okay. Uh, where are we? Number two. Okay, so my number two is X-Men Days of Future Past. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally everything you said about it is incredible. What a balancing act. So many balls being juggled in the air and yet doesn't drop any of them. Really incredible stuff. Uh, I love it. Um, I think if there is anything lacking maybe in this it's a solid villain hmm. um I, I you know there's you've got the sentinels you've got uh trask who's kind of responsible for for this 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 program uh but i you got magneto up to his old tricks but you you're always on the fence with magneto because he you know part of him is good part of him is bad and it's just yeah so it's in 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 one sense it does make the film a lot more realistic because it's more about individual perspectives uh, mm. coming together and crisscrossing and and uh, going against each other and whatnot so there's there's no out and out villain in that sense but yeah it's 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 a very good politically driven politically minded film uh, that, that just so happens to be a comic book movie uh, which is you know which is one of the strengths of the X-Men as a whole yeah and uh, my number one surprising nobody um, is the usual suspects this um, is one of my top three favourite movies of all time um, it's always up there wow always okay. it could depending on the day it could be number one um this is one of those movies, and this has happened a couple of times in my life where I've watched a movie, and as soon as it's finished, it's right back on again from the start to see how it works. You know, one of the worst things in a movie um, is a, an untrustworthy narrator, which is what we have here. Um, the movie finishes, and it's all fabrication, everything, um, and we don't even know what the real story is. You never know. You don't even know if half these characters are real. Were they really involved? Yet, you're captivated. They take this ensemble cast and it's they just layer on this mystery of everything that you want to see. It's got villains, but, you know, we're with a good cost. People who are trying to get out of that life that are drawn back in, forced to do things by this mysterious villain, Kaiser Sozi. And, oh, man, it's just... Even... Everything about this movie was just lightning in a bottle, if you ask me. Um, even even the, the storyline, which is incredibly nuanced and put together, all the performances just work. Like you said, Del Toro, who's, who has a throwaway character, makes it his own with his mumbling attitude um, throughout the scene. You, you take a character and how do you make him stand out? Make him incoherent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was like, wow, that's wonderful. It's the first time I've seen a Scottish person on screen because you couldn't understand a thing he was saying. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's and one of the things is is the little music as well. The music it goes all the way through is so it feels as if there's a time scale and everything and it feels as if it's a mysterious musical score that's all the way through it the way it focuses on random images like the boat's about to explode and you're pushing in on a pile of ropes um, it's just there it makes you feel as if well, what's going on what is behind there yeah. I, I could play a part in this movie I've seen it so many times and yet every time I put it on it feels fresh it's captivating I absolutely love it what more can I see? So my number one is the best X-Men movie, X2, X-Men United. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, basically you had the first film, which was a really great film, but it felt a little light. It felt like there was, there was a much bigger movie to be had somewhere from there. It almost felt like a trailer for what was to come in many respects, though still, like I say, a solid film in its own right. And then we got X, X-Men 2, uh, and Singer got given a bigger budget, he got given a lot more characters to play with. As with Days of Future Past, there's a, a lot more characters here uh, on either side. Um, we, we, what, you know, my, my gripe about Days of Future Past with the villain, here we do get a really good group of villains. So, you know, we, we've got Stryker as the main, the main guy, the main antagonist, who I really like. Primarily because he's played by Brian Cox, who's who's a really great actor, but because you get his perspective, you know, it's it's coming mm. from a very personal place, you know, losing his wife because of his mutant son, and it's just yeah, you get it, you understand where that hatred comes from, uh, you know, as, as with any kind of prejudicial hatred. It doesn't just come from nowhere. It's born out of something and then blown out of all proportion until it becomes something ugly. Um, so, yeah, I, lo- I love that element. We get a, a really kick-ass villain in Lady Deathstrike, even though she never talks, but just that final fight between her and Wolverine is really badass. The way she has these metal claws and she's just, like, stabbing his back and everything. It's just, yeah, it's really brutal. Um... Just yeah, just the the showdown at the end uh, in in the in the big dam, it's just it's great. I love it. The the foreshadowing of the Dark Phoenix, which unfortunately was butchered by Brett Ratner, but uh, hey ho. Just as, as a film, you know, the, the opening sequence with Nightcrawler, just that that the way it's edited, the way it, you know, it's so fast, but it's it's just beautifully executed. That how how do you how do you put that on screen? This, you know, this guy who can teleport, um, and he's going to fight, you know, and he's fighting, but he's teleporting all the time while he's fighting. So he'll throw a guy up, teleport, appear behind them, smack him while the guy's in still in the air from when he's chucked it. It's just brilliantly orchestrated. Um, all the action sequences are like that, really well done, and there's a lot more of them. We get to see Wolverine go a bit more berserker mode kind of thing, you know, in the mansion when he takes out those, the the the, uh, the force that comes in, the, mm. the strike force that comes in, and there is that personal element there as well between him and Striker, because Striker is related to Wolverine's past. He knows something Wolverine doesn't. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of personal stakes for the different characters. It's great. Uh, I. I yeah, I love it. I do think it's the best X-Men film. 
Um, but only by a margin. I, you know, like, like we said, Days of Future Past is such an incredible juggling of balls as well. So it's just for me, the first time I saw this, I just, yeah, I fell in love with it. And it's still, since then, it's been my favourite X-Men film. Even if you count, you know, Logan and Deadpool and, mm. and that, so. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so we're going to move on with our um, next episode choice. So, if this is your first time listening to the show, I have uh, five synopses for Brian. He is going to eliminate them one by one until the one we are left with will be the movie for next episode. Now, Brian, before we get to this, there, there is one synopsis in here that I'm particularly proud of. <laughs> I'm really happy with it. Um, okay. But we'll get to that. Okay, so number one. An alien invader slowly begins to take over small town in America. Number two. In the dying days of the Old West, an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue their town's doctor from savage kidnappers. Number three. Survivors of a worldwide disaster band together in the hope of a better future, only to find themselves propping up the high society. Number four, a woman's life is turned upside down when two men with varying intentions take an interest in her. And number five, with the aid of a new friend, a man goes in search of his missing wife, learning the skills to get revenge along the way. If I was to take a guess, you have seen mm, three of these five movies. I feel like number two might be Unforgiven. But, uh, I don't know. Great film, if it is, but oh, it's definitely a Western from the sound of it. Uh, got, oh, I might need to read these again. Sure. Read the, the, the first one. It's An alien invader slowly begins to take over a small town in America. See, that sounds like it could be invasion. 20 different movies. <laughs> yeah, 20 different movies, but maybe, I don't know, maybe the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's been a long time since I've seen that. But, uh, oof, these are tough ones. Mm. Definitely, It's definitely the sci-fi vein, which definitely you know floats my boat. Uh, get rid of number two. Okay, you have got rid of Bone Tomahawk. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I've still not seen it. Uh, For whatever reason, it's never grabbed me. Mm. It's got Kurt Russell. Yeah, I know. I just, I like Kurt Russell quite a lot. But it, Mm. like I said, I've not seen it. I've only seen a trailer and some stills and stuff. But it has that kind of straight to DVD vibe about it. It's pretty awesome. Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe another time. Uh, right, go on. Three, three, four, and five. Read them to me. Okay, three. Survivors of a worldwide disaster band together in the hope of a better future, only to find themselves propping up the high society. Number four. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Only to find themselves propping up. Oh, see, that sounds very familiar. Oh man, see that's that's got to be sci-fi as well. Um, 
out of one and three i'd probably say that three interests me more so get rid of one okay you have got rid of the blob from 1988 oh. <laughs> oh man yeah i wouldn't mind seeing that again actually mm. okay oh well all right go on four with the aid of a new friend, a man goes in search of his missing wife, learning the skills to get revenge along the way. I would say that you have seen two out of these three movies. There is one that you've seen multiple times, I would gather. Get rid of five. You have gotten rid of Django Unchained. Ah. Ah. That's a shame. <laughs> I like Django and Shane. It's probably my favourite Tarantino film. Uh, gutted. Hmm. Oh well. Fair enough. So we're left with three and four. Hmm. Three and four. A sci-fi film. Oh. Oh man. This could go. I think there's one movie here you've seen and there's one that you want to see. Oh, well, that's helpful. <laughs> Thanks. Um, get rid. See, number three sounds more up my street. But... It's probably, mo if it's science fiction, it's probably most likely the one that I have seen. <laughs> you get what, One of these two is the synopsis that I came out with that I am extremely proud of because it does not represent the movie at all. <laughs> Oh man. Get. This is going to be gutting. Get rid of three. Again. Am I never going to get this movie in to the Brits on Flicks? <laughs> you have once again gotten rid of Snowpiercer. <laughs> I should have gone for that. You have gone. chosen a movie that I'm sure you have seen upward of 20 times. Let me just give you the synopsis again. A woman's life is turned upside down when two men with varying intentions take an interest in her. 1984's The Terminator. Oh, are you kidding me? One of them's not even a man. He's a flipping... Robot! That's that's not fair. Anyway, doesn't matter because it's an awesome choice. Mm. And we've we've reviewed Terminator 2 on here mm. before, so yeah. And um, it, it will, will be just quick enough that folk can listen to this before going to see the new Terminator movie. That's right. Which is out um, middle of November, so there we have it.
we'll go full circle. And top five, I'm a little bit mm, wasn't sure what to pitch. James so. Cameron. James Cameron. I James think Cameron. I think we've done that, have we not? Have we? Have we done? See, what did we do for the Terminator yeah. Two episode? We might have done. I honestly don't know. Can't remember. Mm. Okay, try no. We didn't do top five Arnie films. Did we do top five Arnold quotes or one liners or something? Oh, silly? It might, I think it might have been. It might have been top five Arnie quotes. Hmm. Okay, so do we go for top five Arnold or top five Cameron? Uh, oh no, we did the top five Arnie quotes when we did Total Recall. Right. Okay, so... I think we've, we've got more of a choice with Schwarzenegger. Top five time travel movies? Yes, okay. Okay, top five time travel movies, boom. Mm. There you go. Excellent. So things go full circle because I think we our first episode with Star Trek, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So second episode, Terminator Two. So we're going back to Terminator. So we've covered all of the great Terminator movies. Yeah, um, we've covered all of the Terminator movies. They didn't do any more, did they? No, it was just these two. Yeah, no. There's, there's a third, third one just around the corner, isn't there? Mm. We'll wait and okay. see what that. Has we'll we'll see what that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. As always. Thanks for listening. We appreciate 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 we, <laughs> we appreciate your listenership, and we will see you next time on Brits Fun